Before we start our episode of Noise Extra, one quick announcement. Anyone who considers themselves a true adherent of American Power Electronics knows the name Thomas Garrison. With his project Control having taken effect by the close of the 90s, Garrison helped usher in an efficacious second wave of American PE. Garrison was recently diagnosed with stage 2 prostate cancer, and like many this past year, he has been out of work due to the pandemic and without health insurance. Garrison has set up a GoFundMe to help with his medical expenses, and Cloyster Recordings will be donating 23% of its profits until the end of September. Please consider helping out a pillar of our noise community during his time of need. Links to the GoFundMe and to Cloyster will be in the episode description. Thank you. Listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hi, Mike Connolly. Hello, and our guest for this episode, Justin Lakes of Shredded Nerve, Small Mercies, and Thousands of Dead Gods, among other things. What's happening, Justin? Hey, how's it going? Not too much. Right on. Psyched to have you on, and we are also excited to be discussing a monumental. 90s noise classic haters drunk on decay on release entertainment from 1997 hell yeah but before we get into the album got to do some recent listening gray what have you been listening to well, you know, we talked uh, last week and especially at length in the uh, Extra Noise Extra segment for our uh, Patreon about a great package of noise I got. So I pulled through a few of those things. I listened to the Aub Hydrophobia cassette, single-sided tape on vanilla, more water processing, uh, just just what you want. You know, it's Aub. It's great. Was it correctly labeled? Was it yeah, what was on or it? was it? accidentally k2 i mean give us were there the any oh, retraction no. <laughs> statements oh, yeah. available yeah, were there any retractions no no retractions and yeah unlike our recent uh seven inch sunday with the noise tournament alb k2 there was no confusion to be had actually there was a little confusion it's a single-sided tape and when i got it it was rewound to the b side so i threw it on to the, like, <laughs> the rewound side so hey and hit play and i was like oh man is this blank and then quickly realized my error. So a little bit of confusion. Yeah. And then after that, I threw on the Japanese compilation on mother savage, which is uh, outtakes from the extreme music from Japan CD with tracks collected by Suzuki Shunya. And this is from 1996 and uh, on mother savage. And it has what a smell mole town crew creation of nation Urge, Alphara, Government Alpha, Shibariru, Amagu, and Koizumi and Kurihara on it. Uh, and yeah, long tape. And you know the thing about Mother Savage, and this ties into my next recent listening bit too. Man, that you just feed stuff through that Romer ringer from back in the day, and it sounds unlike anything else. It's like... I, I don't care what you sent him. 
he made the master and that master is like beyond in the red. Is there something further than the red? Like that is the purple. <laughs> so I ultraviolet. had this similar thought recently when we were revisiting American noise and it had been a long time. And in the notes, it says mix mastered and assembled by Joe Romer, something to that extent. And every track does have this sound that it makes me feel that he ran it through something while making the master. Yeah. So the Crank Sturgeon track has a similar feel to an OVMN track where I don't necessarily associate their sounds being similar. Yeah, it's it's funny how it sort of unifies everything in this nasty crunch distortion. It's, it must've been his tape deck or whatever he was, you know, right. mixer to tape deck or whatever his gain staging was just blast everything. And so likewise, one of the tapes I got in that box was the, uh, mother savage, big bang drum theory tape, which is the third release on, on uh, mother savage noise productions. And it's macronympha with, uh, Neil Herzinger from Graycom And, drum stuff and weird and blasted and it's like 1992 it's really crude and, and an early mom savage thing and that one's really cool too but it also still even then has that romer crunch touch to whatever the master was and uh yeah very cool and then uh, in a totally different zone and uh i believe they might be a sponsor of this episode but that is completely Aside from what I'm talking about here, the Ord and Murderous Vision Astral Pathways of the Inflamed Mind CD is like my new favorite thing. Hot on the heels of our recent Yen Pox episode, I feel like I was in the zone for Dark Ambient and then this showed up in my mailbox and it's one hell of a disc. It is just two massive pieces of really well-sculpted dark ambient and it's not limited to any sort of specific sound or type of zone it's very much a diverse and evocative listen mm-hmm. i love the cover art of that uh japanese comp that's like one of the best mother savage covers yeah. we were just discussing it before absolutely recording. not safe for work or a lot of places really like i wouldn't i wouldn't take it out in the public library or uh <laughs> like at a wedding definitely not mm-hmm. uh grocery yeah. store <laughs> my, you know i'm not taking this to the grocery store but gotcha. got it in my purse at all times just ask me i did i just notice. love that there's like full color artwork for it too i feel like there's not as many color ones there, you know? Yeah. And this is, it's really, it's really, uh, crude, the Xerox and there's a booklet in there too, but the, the tape cover itself is, uh, yeah. I also noticed that it, while it is a graphic cover, it is censored, uh, in, <laughs> in some form, uh, in almost a cartoonish way. So yeah. Justin, what is it you- censored? If you draw it back on manually, you just blur it out <laughs> and then pencil it in. I don't know. Yeah, that's a it is a good it's question. Somehow worse. Yeah. Look, you definitely get the point, regardless of censorship. <laughs> Justin, what have you been listening to lately? This afternoon before the haters, I got the uh Jackson Pratt CD that came out on Tronics yesterday and it gave that a spin, which uh really, really good, like all over the place, super fucking chaotic. A lot of like really weird, unique electroacoustic sounds kind of mixed in with everything. Like guitar that sounds like rubber bands and like weird little like room like the sound of 
room microphone and like tapes flipping, but just interspersed with like tons of chaos. I really, really can't recommend that one enough. I really um, dug his CD on Oxen from last year, and uh, I have this one sitting here. I just haven't had a chance to pop it on yet, so that might wind up in my recent listening here soon as well. Very sick. Yeah, this one's a little weirder, but I, I that Oxen was one of my favorite things last year for sure. I also have been listening to 666-volt battery noise. Hell yeah. Yeah. A Brief History of the Unstoppable Power of Negative Energy, the vanilla tape. Also super weird, like early 666-VBN. A lot of like backward voice recording stuff, kind of like putters out and then gets going again. Really, really awesome flow. Uh, I've been kind of trying to track down everything I can from that project for the last couple of years and just recently got this one. So I've been really, really stoked on that. I love the liner notes in that where he's breaks down 666 yeah. and negative energy that it's mm-hmm. some of the best liner notes and I love the way that looks with the screen printed I used to live in Buffalo for like a really short period of time which is actually where I met Gray and I loved all the stuff about Buffalo in there like yeah the, and then also just that quote that's like music can be stopped by pushing a button but noise is inescapable I, I, I've like loved that so much yeah. absolute worship but yeah, a really, really cool one. I've been like trying to get this one for a second because for some reason it's not like in print with the rest of those vanilla tapes that he kind of keeps going. I think um, the co- I think maybe because of the screen printed nature of the cover, they oh yeah, I guess try that, to recreate it. That makes sense. I've kind of wondered like what the reasoning for, but that that makes more sense. I mean, possibly, who knows? I also have been listening to the new Universal Cell Unlock tape. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that. It's like CF from Kites and Mark Lord's new project. I haven't heard any of the Universal Cell Unlock stuff yet. How is it? It's cool. It's So this one, I my understanding is that it's all like electroacoustic stuff that's being controlled by homemade synthesizers. So it's really like unique sounding. It's 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 got a lot of like clicking and like, creaking kind of stuff but then it it's the way it unfolds is really like mechanical and, and weird it's it's really cool I, I, if you like kites or any of his other stuff i think you probably really dig it great awesome and then last thing i've got here is i just recently got a copy of the liebens faden tape uh reinheit uh the it's like one of those three self-released tapes from that project it's really really cool it's like the classic lost vessel like power electronics without vocals kind of style and just really brooding uncomfortable vibe still missing that one from my stack so i'm a little i'm a little jealous i've got a lot of those lost vessel tapes but uh that one has eluded me i got super lucky with this one recently from a friend who uh just admitted they weren't listening to it enough so I, i'm i'm really really stoked it's got like one of the best looking like actual tape shell labels i've ever seen it's it's really really cool right on well Connolly's, what have you been listening well, to well today we are going to defer our recent listening to a patron we have a new 
thing going on over on the Noise Extra Patreon where we've asked patrons to submit some recent listening and we're going to play them on our episode. So we've received a few submissions and we're going to space them out throughout the coming episodes. So today we're going to hear from one. I don't know which one. It'll be done in post, as they either. say. So I'm excited. I really, want to see what everyone's listening to. Really excited to hear what fill in the blank is listening to. Hello, this is Max from Central Oregon, and I'm listing some things that I've been listening to recently uh, in depth and uh, things that most people probably wouldn't listen to around here. Starting off this list I've made is uh, Prick Decay, the uh, Cuba Planet Cuba release, which I found on Union Pole Tapes uh, Bandcamp site. And then I uh, listened to a uh, tape uh, I got in the mail, uh, Extreme Music compilation from 1993 uh, off of the Extreme uh, Music label. And it has some artists like Jorge Reyes, Lights and Fat, Bidna Obnana, Shinjuku Thief, uh, Muslim Gauz, Jim O'Rourke, Mersbo, and uh, many other artists, Some, many of whom I had never heard of before. And uh, I've been checking out uh, Third Organ. He has a uh, SoundCloud account. Picked up Serotech's uh, uh, Orphan Years off of Serotech uh, has a band camp site. And I've been slowly making my way through the Celebrating 100 releases with uh, HNW off of the HNW net label based out of London, UK on their Bandcamp site, which has a lot of harsh noise wall artists. And that's a pretty dense listening material. And then I've started to uh, really delve into the Rainforest Spiritual Enslavement stuff. And uh, so I've been checking out some stuff like Flying Fish Ambience, Panama Canal Left Hand Path. And I'm uh, looking forward to listening to more of his stuff uh, with that project. And then uh, just recently, I also listened to Contagious Orgasm and Kododama Blackout CD that they have. Uh, I was unfamiliar with the Kododama project, which was interesting to hear that. And then I checked out the Yim Pox Blood Music, which I had and hadn't listened to the double CD. And since uh, you all did the um, show on that uh, 1995 release, I listened to that a couple times. Yim Pox is definitely one of my favorite artists, and uh, the the reason why I became a, a Patreon member was because of uh, you know, the first Yim Pox 7-inch uh, that uh, you guys did on your 7-inch Sundays. I wanted to hear what you're all talking about that. And then I checked out Moon Landing 7-inches uh, and uh, listened to those, which were fun. And then I've also been listening to Ben Frost, which is an artist I don't know if you know about, or I don't think I've ever heard him mentioned on the show, but I first heard of him on, uh, I was checking out a, a show on the, the Amazon streaming called Fortitude, which came out in 2014 or so. It was based in Iceland. It was sort of like a cop mystery thing, but Ben Frost did the soundtrack to that and I was really taken with it. So I looked him up and he's also done the soundtrack to a Netflix series called Dark. So I've been checking out the work that he's been doing on that uh, German sci-fi series on Netflix. And so anyway, that sums up recent listening on my end. Thanks a lot for all your guys' hard work, and I look forward to listening to more of Noise Extra. Hey, thank you, fill in the blank. That was great to hear. Great job, person. And now, before we get into Drunk on Decay, a quick word from our sponsors. In 2001, Truggatronic invented the multi-channel tabletop audio controller, a joystick version, C4i, Iron Cross, and the button version, C4b Suppressor, are cloned by many and equaled by none. 
20 years later, the subhumans pulled the pin on the mother of all analog controllers, the C36 Revolution. See it at Trogatronic.com. Out now, Ord and Murderous Vision, the astral pathways of the Inflamed Mind CD. This cross-continental collaboration was created in the early months of 2021. The recordings took place in Voronezh, Russia and Fairport Harbor, USA. 53 minutes of -of out-of-body rituals and acoustic ambience. Features artwork by Ord Air and graphic design by Stephen Petrus. Still available, Dies Natalis and Victi Solis, various artist compilation CD and Murderous Vision, Abscission CD. Order at murderousvision1.bandcamp.com. Live Bait Recording Foundation, bringing you the finest in dark electronic music since 1996. Drunk on Decay. The title says so much, and then you see the cover art (laughs) and the hype sticker. And this is classic 90s relapse release perfection. Uh, If you have listened to even a single episode of the Noise Extra podcast, you probably know that we are tremendous haters fans. Like, there's no haters recording. I'm (laughs) I'm not going to want to hear the old tapes, the new stuff. uh, just, Just big fans here. And... Yeah, this disc is one of the reasons why. I mean, I think the first one I heard was Mind of the Gap, but Drunk on Decay, also a, a ubiquitous haters CD due to its uh, distribution. And I, Justin, does your copy of this have the hype CD? Or I was just about to say, I feel a little robbed that I don't have a hype sticker on mine. We uh, don't we either. Don't, Gray we don't is either. just showing off. Uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> mine is naked as well, so... I, this has the hype sticker and the, the information on the hype sticker is inside the liner notes. And it says all sounds on this CD were produced from a suspended amplified funnel, dragging and eroding on rotating sandpaper erosion being the only way a solid object can truly penetrate the void. And on the back, we see a photo of a suspended funnel over a turntable, which of course must have sandpaper on it. And, you know, one of the things I like about these relapse release CDs when they were doing this, and one of the things I think that that made them so attractive and helped get them into people's hands was stuff like this hype sticker. You wouldn't know what the hell the haters were. You wouldn't know what this weird looking CD with pornographic cover with like a funnel attached to a a collar on it is and the, the crazy colors, but there's a sticker on it telling you exactly what it is and when you've got like brighter death now inner war and that had a sticker on it or my copy of that still has a sticker on it luckily i'm, I'm nice. just pulled it out right now actually because i'm trying to look at some of these yeah they're they're amazing they're amazing and at first glance you know this is pre everyone ordering everything off the internet so you would see this in a record store and yeah this cd is made from the sounds of a funnel on sandpaper like they, they treated these noise releases like they were something special. Like, okay, you just got the new Jackson Pratt CD and it doesn't have a hype sticker on it and you know what it is. So we kind of take for granted that this is something we want, something we already know about when you release a CD or when, you know, someone puts something out or when you get something, it's because you've sought it out. But this is trying to attract new listeners to get people to hear this stuff. And I think that those stickers are so cool because of that. I think that that's a really important thing that like might seem sometimes funny or goofy or corny or hype stickers or a music industry thing. But I don't know. Every time I look at this, I'm stoked that like 
thinking about someone finding this in 1997 in a record store and being like, funnel on sandpaper. What the hell? I love the stickers. And this was certainly the very first haters I ever heard or got. And I don't remember if I ordered it or if it was in a store. I don't recall. But if this would have been in the first 10 noise releases I ever got back in 1998, for sure. No question about that. And I love, like you're saying, Gray, the thought that this is going to get out to new people, turn new people on outside of the normal noise group that would have picked it up anyway. So someone like myself at 18, who was just getting into all this, this was readily available and haven't looked back since. Just the like color scheme of it all too, I feel like is just something you like don't see a lot in artwork too. It's it's just really, really like part of the reason I think I was so drawn to this was just like, what the fuck is this cover? It, it, I don't know. I, I really uh, still think it's like one of my favorite noise covers of all time. Like the thermal look and just the like, it's conf- it's clearly pornographic, but it's like confusing what's actually going on. I, I, I It's just like so, I could stare at this for so long. Oh, absolutely. And GX has said that any of his porn use of pornographic imagery was done by himself with people that he knew. So it's yeah, not- it's like credited model. That's like yeah. really, really cool as well. And I, I, there's like that other version of the cover where it's like unaffected. And I, that's really, really beautiful as well. Just like original photograph for this kind of thing is so rare, you know, a hundred percent. So wait, how Justin, how did you come to this album? I got into the haters. Um, I heard, I think I heard in the shade of fire before this, truly. I had like a friend who was kind of really plugged into all the like hands and stuff when we were getting out of high school and he showed me that. But then this one, I just, I had already been trying to track down like all these release things. And I think, yeah, partially because of like Mersbo and Brighter Death now and just stuff that I got plugged into a little bit earlier. But yeah, this one, this one probably landed the hardest of all those for me. Why do you think that was? Uh, I think partially just because of like the simplicity of it, you know, like I, I immediately started trying to find out more information about the haters, like the, yeah, the all sounds created by a hanging funnel is really, really intriguing. And you just want to know, like, how are there so many things? Like, it sounds like there's so much happening at a lot of times of this record, but then just honing in on the simplicity of it. I was really fascinated by that. And I think also at that point in time, like everything that I had heard was pretty clearly like electronic instruments and gear. Whereas like, this is just, you know, like garbage hanging. And that was a really, uh, that was like very alluring to me and has really like stayed with me kind of the whole time where I'm just still really like obsessed with the idea that you can just pick something up from wherever you are and can make it sound so like diverse and perfect. Yeah. And the concepts are so intentional. It's hard not to be drawn in. Like even when you read the description, you, you immediately want to hear what it sounds like, you know what you're going to be given yet. It's so thrilling to hear it. 
you also want to see it and around this time of acquiring this CD for myself back in the late 90s would have also been the same time seeing the Huck Finn VHS, which features perform- Drunk on Decay performances of the funnel eroding and the haters, members of the haters holding a ladder. And I always thought that was such a striking image and the thought of doing that night after night, knowing a little more now, it was probably different people many times. I mm-hmm. believe Crank Surgeon was a member of the haters most of that time because he told us that Bolio said he could be on the tour, but he had to be in the haters, <laughs> which is what. A, oh, I, oh no! What a uh, what a chore, you know. Terrible. But I'm sure I'm sure they also picked up people at different shows because, of course, the haters would be would work with many people as haters. Well, you can look it up in the book. He catalogs all of it. Yes. And we have, of course, the essential Digging Through Time book released by Helicopter recently that documents the history of haters' performances. This is still available from Helicopter directly, and we will put a link up because it is- the soft cover? The soft cover yeah. is, yes. Essential. Absolutely, absolutely essential. And in fact, in it, notes the first Drunk on Decay performance. The performance took place in San Francisco on October 29th, 1996, and it says, For 20 minutes, a funnel was held over the turntable of a toy record player by being attached to a large wooden pallet that two performers were holding up. The nozzle of the funnel was allowed to drag and erode on the spinning turntable, which was covered with sandpaper. Erosion as penetration of the void. Erosion being the only way a solid object can truly penetrate the void. The funnel itself was amplified, and the resulting sounds were processed by two other performers. The club audience applauded, entitled Drunk on Decay. And that was Hater's performance number 235. So as far as I could tell, at least according to the book, that would have been the first Drunk on Decay performance. It's also performed a month later in Los Angeles. But this would be a little different, and this would be moving forward how the Drunk on Decay performances would be performed. And Gray, tell us about this apparatus. Difference happened. Well, there are actually sort of two differences. I I had a chance to talk about this a bit with GX, and one thing I learned is that after the initial performances, Damien Romero was dismayed that GX was using a turntable for the sandpaper because he didn't need the stylus. So he designed and built the Drunk on Decay Deluxe, which is a small box with a motor and a sanding disc mounted to it. And that's it. Actually, I got to see a photo of this apparatus, which is really cool looking. So Damien Romero, Speculum Fight, who we've obviously talked about on the show, uh, made a special device for that. And the other thing that I learned is... That every time the piece was performed live, the funnel was attached to an item that was larger and heavier than the time before. So much like the ladder that we see in the Huck Finn performances, I'm sure it just continued to increase. And I think that's fantastic. I love that quote. That's like the last time my funnel collided with sandpaper. It was from an elevated truck and I I really still want to hang it from like a suspended house someday. (laughs) <laughs> How cool would that be? Can someone make that happen? 
I was just thinking, it, you know, that wouldn't be that hard. Like, even if you get like a modular home and, and it's on a on a base, uh, this is actually achievable. I think we need to put our minds together and make it happen for G. Although it would be really easy with a boat, probably with a boat docking ramp. Oh, so, interesting. You know, GX, I have a pontoon boat in the family. We can make it happen. Let's go to Kentucky. Let's do it. <laughs> Rural Kentucky haters performance. I am in. And, you know, this book is so great for documenting all the different styles of performance that GX would do. And and some, like, select thoughts that were occurring in his head at the time. And truly, that is something I really love about the haters is the... It's almost like a guided meditation, just little snippets of things to roll around in your head while you're listening, such as interacting with the void as a solid object. One of my favorite styles of performance, or I guess titles of performance, is the observing dust performances. And for example, in the company of a few, Jupiter Larson sat and looked at the dust on the floor of, of a friend's house. Entitled Observing Dust, the solo performance lasted 15 minutes. And that was the eighth Haters performance uh, from 1982. So I love the Observing Dust performances or the mm -hmm. counting. Seats on the train between what, like Paris and Amsterdam? Oh, wasn't he counting his, no, he was counting his steps. Oh, his steps, yes. His steps, steps. Walking, walking up, up and, and down, down the, the train yeah. or counting individual pieces of dirt. Counting garbage cans. That was what he did with MB. I love these haters' performances. It's all about intent and subjectivity. Here on Drunk on Decay, as we've been discussing, we get the funnel erosion, and you get three distinct tracks that show the range of what an eroding funnel can do and how it can penetrate the void. On Drunk on Decay number three, which is the first track, we are grinding into a void that is active and still at the same time. And it consistently turns, but very little changes. The funnel is becoming nothing in front of our ears. And this track goes very circular and linear at the same time. Yeah. This one actually, you know, Tara saying meditative, and this is where you really embrace that and uh, thinking about the void and also just feeling the the power in this sound because it is just massive buzzing droning crackling noise and it, it shifts much like uh, when we talked about the dream house record this changes as you move your head and as you change perspective too and it's so dense with sound but like justin was saying earlier it's so simple it's such a simple you know what's happening you can hear what's happening and the haters can make a funnel sound like six synthesizers at the same time. Like it's so it, much depth to it. So much going on, so much modulation, so much shifting, so many weird sounds. And it's a there's, funnel. There's like a part that's like somewhere near like the halfway point where it really almost feels like you're like taking the like speed down. Like the oscillation goes down really to like a really slow rate and and it it, it kind of just doesn't make sense to me how much it sounds like a synth sometimes on this one it's it's got like all these different frequencies that are kind of all like changing independently of one another but it's seemingly like just one mic so i, I it just really is doesn't i don't really understand still how something so simple can make so many sounds at once 
I just laughed at the thought of GX touching a synth. I know. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I imagine if GX were to ever touch a synth, it would be to destroy it. Yeah, it would yeah, leave with a part missing. <laughs> It'd be, be sanded into nothing. I think the entire thing would be missing. I think it might be a drill. Into- that GX, maybe synth performances, just just drilling synths into dust. Gray, lock your doors. Those pictures of like the calculators after you get done with them where just like one corner is like extremely blunt and rounded. It would just be like the MS-20 with like a round side. (laughs) (laughs) Just and then Gray's tears. Just we might Gray's tears as GX ruins his synths. Uh, He's been in proximity to my synths and did not attempt to sand, erode or uh, destroy them. So (laughs) Also listening to this, I was getting myself into the mindset, the haters mindset, of course, reading, digging through time while listening to this. And I just had this thought that listening to this, we're also observing the past because this has already happened. This, this, these drunk and decays have already happened. So we are time traveling into nothing. And, I like the time travel that recorded sound takes you through because it does. And Mike actually said that out loud to me while we were listening. So we cheated a little, but it did make me think of black holes and thinking about the singularity in the middle and how space time is bent into a funnel like shape around a black hole leading down into the absolute singularity. And that was represented by the funnel that was being eroded on this album. And also I'm always just so impressed by the funnel grinding because by the virtue of its shape, it's perfect for amplification. So Justin, just like you, I'm, I'm always envisioning like what part of the funnel he's on. Like when the, when the sound shifts, I think like, okay, was he doing the like very tip nozzle and now he's doing the, you know, very wide flat end or is it vice versa? And it has to change the sound just by nature of the shape of a funnel as he's eroding it. And that is just so brilliant. A lot of the time when I'm listening to this, I'm also just really thinking about like the distance that the funnel is hanging because I feel like that must play some role in like this mm-hmm. overall tone. But yeah, I'm thinking about this like the entire time of the entire CD where I'm just like, how much has gone away from the tip of the funnel? Like what angle is it at? How much distance is there? I, 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 yeah, it's just you can lose yourself in just these little details of sound. And on the back of the CD, you get to see a photo of the funnel mounted to a pallet over a turntable being held. So you there's a there's a visual reference to what this might have looked like as well. If you haven't seen video performance of it or something, I like that there's a, you know, a live photo performance of it or of it on on here. And uh, this looks like one that is using the toy turntable, the small, you know, actual portable turntable. And the first two pieces on this disc were recorded using the original turntable that the first performance was done with. And the third piece on the disc, Drunk on Decay 5, was recorded with the device that Damien Romero uh, designed and built. 
The third one is so distinctly different, I feel like, too. So that, that I wrote down on the page, like, are there two funnels on this one? Or why does it sound so different than the first? That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, the second track here, Drunk on Decay number four, and I I inquired about the whereabouts of Drunk on Decay's number one and two, and uh, they were discarded. They're in the void. They're, they became nothingness, and they are still languishing in the void as soon as we cut from the first track to the second track it is brutal the the difference here as well it's absolutely just like shattered explosive stuttering texturally dense noise in in terms of atmosphere and mood it is the polar opposite of the first piece to me where i would i could collect my thoughts and meditate on erosion and the void here it's fighting for my full attention the entire time as just nasty chunky metal erosion i feel like you can really hear the sandpaper on this one you hear the grit and the texture as it rips chunks of metal off i have written down that it's a jarring departure and it at first feels like it's got to be different machines making the sounds but then with about 30 seconds in it becomes clear that it's the same yeah, definitely this feels like a different grade of sandpaper. Like this is a much more coarse sandpaper. And it feels metallic and pointy, but not sharp. Hmm. There's like the introduction of feedback in this one too, which I feel like is a huge atmosphere change. Like the first track is so like warm and like meditative and then this one has all this like jumping and feedback and it, it it's it's yeah, like i said it's a huge departure no the highs are so sick on this like i i just agree this one has a star next to it this might be my favorite <laughs> this is just like the sound i like to hear the the decay is more active and the void is louder <laughs> the void yeah. is louder for sure yeah, it's, just, it's a roaring chaos and listening to it from sort of a production standpoint and hearing some of this stuff, you know, this is a 15 minute piece. The last track was uh, 16 minutes. I, at about 11 minutes, I feel like there's a, there's like a very looped part. It feels like sort of, you know, in good harsh noise when someone will take a killer loop and let it ride, except it's not a loop. It's a, it's a physical manifestation of a loop. It's literally a piece of sandpaper spinning and a funnel on it. That's causing that. And maybe Does they're keeping qualify the, as a loop. I always call it the, the organic, organic loop. loop. Yeah, that's, right. it's, that's exactly what's going on. And it's so cool because there's so much nuance to it and it's not with like processing or adjusting some pedal in the chain or something, but it's this, physical manifestation this physical loop of just something spinning but then a couple minutes later this thing hits just total decay and this track breaks down into all of its pieces at once and i don't have a star next to this one i have a star next to the third piece but we're allowed to disagree on our favorite tracks on an excellent (laughs) cd a great entry in digging through time comes from the 50th performance from 1987 And I think it fits with this track. The word big has many meanings. In order to create a big mess, one must first destroy discarded matter. Only by destroying trash can a mess be genuinely and truly big. This is the meaning of big in entropy. Violence as neither positive or negative. 
Violence as the liberation of energy. Violence as the disengagement of energy from the entanglement of any particular flow. And I like that thought of violence being the liberation of energy. And I feel that energy is liberated in this track. Yeah, because it all wants to move towards entropy. I think yes. that's part of what drew me into the haters initially so much too, is just that everything in noise that I had found previous to this was so like the violence was confrontational and with the haters, it's like a different kind of violence. I don't, I, I, it's, it's just like a, it's this thing of its own that doesn't uh, have this negative context to it. I don't know. It's, it, it can be really violent in this positive way, which I've never really encountered anything like that before. There's uh the title of the haters condom split cassette is uh enraptured violence. I think that that might be a, a like nice that. way to frame this as well. Uh this this third piece is less high end than the the previous track but the static is just so nasty and the vibrations of the funnel are creating this cyclic resonance in it that you can I feel like here you feel the metal resonating and you feel it vibrating and you get to hear all the details of that you can pick out the sounds of oscillation as it's eroding I listened to the third one on headphones and I just was really blown away by how much it's like two independent tracks in each year that are kind of like interacting with each other and like at times kind of meet up and times go away from each other. Uh, There's just so many weird times that when it like links up, it's really jarring and then it goes back and like the title drunk on decay, I feel like is so fitting for how that makes you feel. I bet this is a great Mm -hmm. headphone listen. I certainly would have listened to it at headphones decades ago oh, but yeah. I haven't for a long time but this would be a great headphone listen definitely the this one sits somewhere in the middle in my mind of the first two tracks it's not as chaotic as the second track and it's not as still as the first track but it almost fits somewhere in the middle yeah I was thinking this is like rolling aluminum dice on a mic'd pan and then throwing them into the void. I wonder if you got snake eyes. Oh, you know, GX has made some wonderful dice that uh, I think everyone should have mm-hmm. at least one of. I love <laughs> GX's rulers and dice. <laughs> and even, t- you know, as much as we have had GX on, we haven't done a full haters album. This is the first time we're doing a full haters album for an episode. We did a seven inch on seven inch Sunday, but this is our first regular episode on a haters album. And even it's weird to me to even think about GX thinking about making an album the way a lot of people we talk about making an album. For example, Mm -hmm. I can't, picture GX thinking about a pedal. Do you know what I mean? I'm not to say that he doesn't, but in my mind, I think of GX observing dust. Yeah. I can't think of him 
being interested in, oh, I'm going to pick up this pedal. Thinking about GX, thinking, oh, this one has a lot of high end. I Maybe I should roll that off. I just can't picture that those types of thoughts. I'll try in a his plastic head. funnel it's, next time. This metallic yeah, one is a little more, too high. Yeah, yeah. I don't get any mids. Well, it's. <laughs> I yeah. think in part that's why we see things like Damien Romero building a mm -hmm. turntable device or like something like the Untitled Title Belt, where he's got other people crank making things. Maybe where he's got other yeah. people sort of engineering the things that he wants to use to accomplish his goals, and. I think it is because there's such a vision in the haters and in GX's work that the technical aspects of it are something he doesn't need to worry about because conceptually the stuff is so strong and his ideas about sound are going to make it interesting. It's the, whatever approach this is, no one else was going to record a funnel over a piece of rotating sandpaper and make a CD that there are thousands of copies of. That wasn't going to come to us from anybody else other than GX, Jupiter Larson, and the haters. And if it somehow did exist, it would not sound or be like this at all. And that's what makes it so special is the, the unique, personal, individual vision. And as much as I'm a gear hound and love equipment and love trying new things and getting new sounds, I respect the simplicity and the practical nature of gx's approach to making these sounds like and i misspoke earlier when i said mind the gap which is uh you know staple gun right stapling records amplified staple gun on records that was actually not the first thing i heard the first thing i heard was the fire seven inch on silent records oh wow cool which yeah. is recordings of fire and it looked cool had a great packaging and design and I bought it on site when I started getting into this stuff, found it at a, at a record store somewhere. And I had no idea it's, it said fire, but then I read a little bit about the haters in some magazine or in something I had. And it said that this, you know, or maybe GX's website, even back then he, he's been online for a long time. The, that the sounds were made. Well, the, originally that, all the hater sounds were made by uh, breaking things. That was what I knew about the haters was that everything was by breaking, but that's not, it's, this is fire. It's, it's burning things. <laughs> it's a different take on the, the same sort of idea and spirit. And imagine listening to a recording of fire and thinking that it was made by people just breaking stuff that, that has happened to me. And that's one of the things I love about the haters is like here, there's a hype sticker telling you exactly what you're going to get. There's liner notes telling you what you get, but you can't even imagine what it actually sounds like until you've heard it. You have no metric for it. The call to like similarity of sounds in the haters too. Like you're talking about the fire and the what's it? The sound of fire has lots in common with the sound of water falling. I, I just, I don't know. I just think that those are like hearing about the, the cotton ball release and things like that were definitely part of what turned me on to it when I first heard about it. Cause it's just like, it's such a perfect idea and it, it, it's, it, it makes sense that this band that's also like destroying clubs and going super hard with breaking things and that it's also got this like softer side and equating the two ideas. I, I yeah. I think it might have actually been during the third piece that in mentioning the sound of fire and the sound of water falling, I was 
it, this reminded me of that in a way of uh, I was trying to imagine what heavy rainfall might sound like to an insect or a small animal as it hits the leaves and the ground around them. Like what, how does that differ from our experience with the rain? And that this CD made me think of that just, you know, recent on our listening to it right now. And that's it. I know this is a funnel, but it makes me think of something like that. It makes me think of these, all of these different possibilities. And the haters is really a world of, possibility to me in terms of sound because like i said you're not you don't know what you're going to hear you can describe something you can read this digging through time book and that's one of the cool things is you get to imagine and invent what some of these performances were like in your head but you wouldn't be ready for the actuality of any of it the reading about it doesn't prepare you for it and that's a special type of of work to me Great. It's so funny that you say that because I wrote that this album makes you open to possibilities. That it says it makes you open to possibilities and recognizing the chaos and understanding that there are endless frameworks of understanding about the world around us. We can't predict everything that will happen and we are submerged in entropy. Reality is subjective. Reality is irrational and simultaneously absolutely logical. I think that's the kind of thoughts the haters will bring to mind. Justin, have you seen the haters live? And when was the first time, if so? So the first time I got to see them live was at the Neon Marshmallow Festival in Chicago, which was like 2009. And they played with Steve Makita from Lockweld. So it was a very like chaotic version of the loud luggage, booming baggage era performances. And that was also like probably about six months or a year after finding out about them and becoming obsessed with them. So I was really, really excited for the performance and it was still one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And then I I saw them one other time in April of 2019 for the 40th anniversary performances uh, at end times here in New York. Uh, But those are the only two times I've ever gotten to see them. Uh, But both were unforgettable top performances. Absolutely. We got to see them at a no fun as well. Have gotten a chance to see them out here in LA. What about you, Greg? When was the first time you saw them? I can't remember if it was 2009 when I, when I came out to Los Angeles to kind of figure out if I wanted to move here or if it was shortly after I moved here in, in 2010. Um, the loud luggage booming baggage was, a piece I got to see numerous times here. I know I saw it at show cave and the smell and, and maybe a few other places. Um, but I've been lucky to catch a good few haters performances and other things GX has been involved in since moving to Los Angeles. And that's, uh, something I feel very thankful for. Great. Wouldn't you have seen them at no fun along with myself and Tara? I forget it, man. Those no fun years are a blur. It's true. It is, it, is a, fun. it is a complete blur, but we would have all seen them together. Yes, we drove out together. That's yeah. right. I was there. I, <laughs> yes. Look. Yes. The first time I saw them was the No Fun Fest, Connolly. You know that. You remember <laughs> it super clearly. Watch well, you. No, we're keeping that all in. And I. <laughs> but I wasn't sure if you had seen them uh, prior. Yeah. No, no, I hadn't. Hadn't seen the haters prior to that. Just been just picking their stuff up, like. 
as as we talked about, like you know, record collector and and Davin Brainerd was stocking this stuff. I guess I must have maybe missed GX coming through town when I, like shortly before I discovered that store because there was like signed copy of Razed and the Condor there and Windlick Dirt and a couple well, other he things. He would have been through on the Huck Finn tour, which was ninety seven. So that maybe when they would have gotten some of that stuff. And I believe there maybe was another Detroit I show. I love that we could we just look it through. all up. I guess in we this could book, just flip it through. Uh, and just, <laughs> you know, absolutely know the answer. That is correct. We'll just keep the mystery alive. You know, some parts of our memory funnels have been really ground down. Really over eroded. Time, our know? memory funnels are certainly yeah. somewhere in the void. <laughs> Mine is yeah, still hung over some sandpaper right now, just eroding. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, they are. But look, you know how we all feel about the haters. If you haven't heard this, what are you waiting for? Please listen to Drunk on Decay. Like I say, with anyone who hasn't heard some of the albums you talk about, I'm jealous. Absolutely. I'm jealous of anybody who is listening to this and hasn't heard this yet. Now is the time. 24 years later, it sounds as great as it did the first time all of us heard this check out gx's website gx's it's website really is fun incredible to go through. talks a lot about the polywave which and, and many thoughts that he has on the performances on recording and on entropy and which you can is see the, his paintings yes and entropy is what will go through the entire history of gx's work from the very first performance 1979 up through now I'm looking forward to whatever the next haters performance is going to be. Hopefully we're going to get one relatively soon. How great would that be? Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, we're near, we're, we're nearing the end of this episode and it will go into the void. We are grinding the funnel of this episode down and over on the Extra Noise Extra on the Patreon, we're going to be talking with Justin about Thousands of Dead Gods, about Small Mercies, about Shredded Nerve, getting to know Justin a little more. And we're looking forward to that. So join us over on the Patreon for the Extra Noise Extra. And thank you for joining us today, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I would like to read from the end of Digging Through Time to finish off this regular episode, and then we'll be over on the Patreon talking more. If the mind measures any sensation at the precise moment that the body comes into contact with another physical substance, it is only by coincidence. Whatever the mind feels, it is completely independent from whatever the body is up to. Why do anything? Why think anything? because one would have done it regardless. This is the chaos of biology. This is the byproduct of the polywave. Everything moving in every direction simultaneously. Enjoy the ride. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, 
and on Twitter at Noise Extra with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.